It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. If you're curious about cannabis culture and activism, you're going to really enjoy today's chat. My friend and fellow travel lover, Brian Applegarth, was back in the studio to talk cannabis history, tourism, and what you can expect if you visit us in the Bay Area. We also discuss preserving the history of the cannabis movement and the compassionate and creative activists that started it all right here in California. This is a fun one. So settle in, get casually baked, and start daydreaming about your cannabis-infused Bay Area getaway. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just casually baked what'd you think about the getter done productions thing that i saw you at for a minute oh it was good i mean it was fun i think just because i get up at five o'clock in the morning i was losing steam pretty quickly Mm -hmm. and so around 10 30 when it wasn't over and i was Mm -hmm. just like feeling a little bit delirious i had to bounce same so totally i didn't see how it all played out, but I was happy for Tolly and the crowd. And I think she did a great job speaking in the beginning. Like I think she she was really in her element and it was nice. Right. Agreed. What did you think of that? Did you see the uh Pebbles Trip It video? Um that part of it. Yeah, that short film. Yes, yes. Did you like it or no? No, it was okay. Good, good. But then it was funny to see her and, you know, because I, I believe you gave me her card. I did? No, maybe it was somebody else. Oh, dude, yeah. I left you a gift last time. That's right. 
It was during Dennis and Brownie. It is? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I was seeing this old woman on stage. Right. And I was visualizing this version of her. Right. And I was so grateful that I had had this first. Right. Because I was just, this woman was just so spunky and amazing. And it's fun to see what someone looks like when they're old and they've been that really frisky kind of a liver of life. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like, yes, I'm going to be a spicy old woman and it is going to be so fun. Yeah. No, her life is gnarly. (laughs) She's lived the most amazing life. Literally studied under Dr. King, like dedicated activist for life. And it's, it's amazing. Well, so tell me, like Pebbles Trippet is one of those people that would excite somebody who was visiting San Francisco. Right. When people come to visit here, yeah. can they learn about people like her? They can. Like That's part of uh, one of the little things that I've built along the way is this access to the Castro Castle, which is a living history activist museum. Mm-hmm. Literally, people live there. It's extremely authentic, and it's something you won't experience anywhere else in the world. So like part So of- people are coming in to these people's like home and just observing their cannabis life. Yeah, and you feel the history. It's really a life of activism. Like this entire kind of commune that existed in San Francisco from mm-hmm. the late 60s through 1996, the group that legalized cannabis. Uh-huh. There is a more the cannabis is one part of the story. It's an important part. Uh, but there's also all these other human rights from nuclear proliferation to women's rights to you know, the first AIDS quilt got laid out on that ground with six different six different squares. Mm-hmm. And that was Cleve Jones was part of that group, Gilbert Baker, Harvey Milk, Dennis Perone, Brownie Mary, Pebbles Trippett. And it's all these kind of visionaries that are really, they call themselves futurists and activists. And it's, it's, a fa- it's fascinating to spend time with these people because they literally made the choice to dedicate their life. They felt fulfilled in this human experience by trying to leave the world more tolerant, more compassionate than how they found it. And right. that that supersedes money, that supersedes what people think of them, that supersedes anything that I'd say most of the matrix that that people live in, mm-hmm. they don't subscribe to. Yeah, and it's really a beautiful, interesting, fascinating uh, kind of journey to listen to them and how they view this human experience and the choices they've made, um, and what they value as success with a life yeah. well lived. Yeah, it's that is one of the most attractive things about living in this area mm-hmm. is that from me having a very different perspective of life growing up in Texas and the way right. people live and what their values are, right. and then to all of a sudden live somewhere where you're surrounded. I mean, last night, I, I'm part of a group called the Candlelight Supper Club. Nice. And we get together every two months, mm-hmm. and we have fellowship. We have big talk about something that's interesting that's happening in, happening in our community or something we want to affect change around. Right. And we listen to music and share a meal. And, Beautiful. And I'm surrounded by people that I didn't even knew existed when I was a little girl. Right, (laughs) right, right, right. I'm like, this is so fascinating. Yep. So I've just, I really love getting to know this community. And I love the idea Mm. that people can come in and be curious about cannabis and and get like the full spectrum view of what it was and what it is and what it's about to be, what it's becoming. Yep. And a big part of that story, and that's where I fell deep into the rabbit hole of like, oh my God. 
God, like the strategic, political, legislative, leveraging the press, you know, media activism, there is a playbook of how to change the world. And these people, like, again, they don't go for the fancy house. They literally learn the system and there's this way to be an activist and a way to organize a community. And the path toward legalization in 1996, that's when I talk about legalization. It's the medical legalization. Right. The lead into that is the most interesting part of this cannabis legacy. It is by far the part that I'm trying to make sure stays part of the conversation, especially in this corridor where it all happened. Yeah. Um, not just because it's 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 part of the infrastructure, the pioneers need to get their day in the sun and they need to be recognized for what they did. Mm-hmm. But as a greater community, this industry has the ability to have messaging from this platform. While it's a buzz, while it's a trend, cannabis is cool. Let's teach people about how to give a shit, how to find whatever you're passionate about, how to write legislation, how to join groups, how to organize. How do you throw an event where people feel included? I went to an event just last week with Terrence Allen and the kind of the San Francisco group and the leaders of San Francisco and talk about, I walked away from that and went home and talked to my partner and I'm like, unbelievable. I just sat there and witnessed the inclusive, like very strategic, amazing synergy that happens. And it's like almost like San Francisco is more advanced in that realm because it's it's like ingrained in the culture of how to organize. So this this just the feeling of this event was was is something I'm kind of still processing. And I'm gonna go to more and just observe because it's really interesting to watch people like Terrence. And these leaders that have these legacies that are older that lived through the AIDS crisis and through the cannabis kind of um, activism and and how they approach things from a community, from a legislative outlook, having one focal point, one uh, one focused vision. voice, yeah. yeah, vision and voice. Because I mean, that was a big part of that messaging was like, listen, together we collaborate, we find out what our message is, and then we deliver it through one megaphone. Yeah, and it's much more effective that way. Um, yeah. That's inspiring. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's we really live in a bubble, and we live in, and that's uh, this historian thing that I've just really. It's only been the last five years where I've become this absolute lover of history, and it was the cannabis. It was the cannabis that put me there, mm-hmm. but it's turned in all these human rights things and all these other platforms. You know, connection to nature and you know how we live as a society, how we treat each other. Like that's where all the sexiest part about it. The plant's incredible. But the plan is so powerful that it opens up all these other conversations that allow us as a society to hopefully um, move forward as, as, a, as a species, as a, how we treat each other yeah. as human beings. It's a great connector. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, you know, all the psychedelics are. They are. And they totally so are. it's fun how, you know, Claire and I were talking earlier before the show about, you know, s- being able to microdose psilocybin now and experiment and see what that might look like in your life. And, you right. know, and so to to have this conversation happening, I'm like, hi, and things are bouncing all over the place. <laughs> but I want to talk about how someone else can come here and experience those things. Right, so, you right. know, you've kind of been at the forefront of navigating what cannabis tourism is going to look like here. So right. from the last time we spoke until now, like, what's right. happening? Yeah, so like at the let's start at the like the local level. Um, there's all kinds of different models popping up, which is great. There's mm-hmm. some companies that are like, "Come learn about the green rush and the supply chain." Um, there's which other, is great for people in great. other states who uh-huh. are like, "Okay, 
when we legalize in Texas, I'm going right. to be ready to go. So that right. there's a that's a there's a good place for that. There's a great place for that. And there's you know you see tourists that have been showing up from investors to you know people here as medical refugees. It's really the cannabis is it's not business as usual, and it's so much fun because you get to make people raise their eyebrows all the time and go what. Yeah. Right. So what I've built, as far as the tourism component, my first kind of my first kind of foray into cannabis was uh, focusing on cannabis tours, um, and I've always been drawn because of my travel background. I've always been drawn to just authentic culture and transformative, transported moments mm-hmm. where you're out of your comfort zone, and it makes you a more whole person because you've had another experience in life that makes life cool. Yes. And then you find solace in that, where you're constantly seeking that out. So that's the way I've built my model. So it goes deep into history and culture. And the Castro Castle is a perfect example of that. That's an exclusive experience. It's a little more pricey. It takes more organization. But I have relationships with some of these portals to the past that you won't find anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, on the larger level, um, it became clear to me that the state of California needed an organized kind of megaphone voice to be able to work with Cal Travel and visit California and some of these established entities to start bridge building yes. and figure out how we fold into that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's also a hemp conversation now. I use mm-hmm. hemp a lot. I'm like, it's hemp and cannabis. So let's open that up to a bigger, because then it's, you have another puzzle piece to work with and educate through. Um, so that's where a lot of my work has been, has been locally preserving the history and culture through different formats, be it a nonprofit. I have a nonprofit called The Cannabis Trail that I'm developing and I'm slowly tooling on, which is gonna be a third pillar that lives next to the Marin Cheese Trail on the Napa Wine Road. Very cool. And it's gonna be a self-guided kind of cannabis, like, you know, you could take your car and go visit yeah, different places. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, so there's that. And then I have uh, Emerald Country Tours, which I have some amazing supportive people that are now part of that and kind of overseeing that slow, steady growth. Um, and a lot of my time now kind of falls into two buckets. It's uh, the California Cannabis Tourism Association, which I really, ed- I find myself being more of an educator than anything these mm-hmm. days. Um, and well, and I think if, if you're going to be a good steward of the plant and be in the industry, right. we all have to be good educators. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think doing these tours and you know, just learning about it right. gives you the credibility to become, you know, a cannabis educator in your own community. Right, right. But it's even taking different forms, right? Like the Sonoma County History Museum contacted me about three months ago, and they've activated me, and 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 I'm so honored to be part of it. But I'm helping co-curate this exhibit that's going to be up in summer on the on. It's called the Cannabis Trail, nice. Sonoma County Pioneers and Legacy. And when you do your, when you, when I started digging deeper into the, just my, because I spent a lot of time in Sonoma, you know, that's Mm -hmm. my home basically. Um, But, and this is something I'm going to unveil at the exhibit. Guess who the largest cultivator of cannabis was in Sonoma County or is? Any idea? Smokey Joe. (laughs) Yeah, Smokey Joe, Okey Joe. Yeah, at one point probably. Okey Joe, yes. Yeah, so the largest cannabis cultivation that's happened in Sonoma County was in 1850. It was at Fort Ross, and the Russians grew 350 acres of hemp. Wow. And they use it as textiles, and that is where our legacy starts. So through information like that, curated with establishments like the Sonoma County History Museum, I've also brought in UC Berkeley and the Bancroft Library, and they're going to be supplying oral histories. Good for you. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. So it starts with tours, Mm -hmm. but I find myself with my historian hat, and I love tourism, 
And they, it's kind of, I'm just kind of following the universe and being like, okay, well, still trying to make enough money to like eat because I say yes to everything and I need to work on that. Um, but yeah, the other thing that I'm really excited about that I'm starting to work on uh, with my my new business partner, Lauren Rogers, is a, uh, it's called Recreational Embassy. And essentially we're working with uh, luxury leaning hotels on integrating cannabis in different buckets throughout their entire model. Mm-hmm. So that goes from concierge to spa integrations to staff education and training, uh, helping facilitate a delivery model mm-hmm. in hotel menus that are in alignment with the clientele mm-hmm. that have curated products that speak to what tourists. I spent a lot of time studying the tourist profile in Denver and Seattle. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that the tourists are extremely novice, right? Not surprisingly. Of course. But it was totally confirmed. They show up and they're like, they don't even, Indica Sativa hybrid, they're not, a lot of them aren't even there yet. And these are people that have been smoking weed. Yeah. And a lot we're, of them. And we're all already at like chemovar and. Right, right, <laughs> right. Terpenes and flavonoids yeah. and like the new CB3 <laughs> receptor or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it's so that, and I like that elementary education um, because I innovated that with the tours that I've run to date with the senior retirement communities throughout the Bay, that was part of kind of the exploratory kind of tour phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and also going, I go back to the global history and then I tie it into Jamestown and then I go through the 1900s and I really try to reframe the conversation around this plant. And it's such a gift. Like my relationship with cannabis just keeps growing. I'm kind of turning into one of those people that I first met that was like, whoa, those people are trippy. Well, and actually, as you're talking, <laughs> I'm like, wait, am I learning about all of this on the tour? Or is this the stuff that's going into the museum? Like, is, yeah. or, or is it yes, all of the above? Yeah, it's kind of both. Yeah. yeah. Like I definitely have, so I have three pieces of three infographics that I've created that are my core kind of tour guide collateral. And as mm-hmm. I train tour guides, these are like, this is the heart of what yeah. we do. And keep it simple, man. Totally. And there's three, there's a map. It's time, place, and people. There's a map, there's, it's called, there's an Emerald Country map. Mm-hmm. So it basically shows from Santa Cruz up to Arcata mm-hmm. and it, T- tells the story of, of cannabis from, you know, 420 being in San Rafael. It kind of threads so that So my together. sister and her wife are coming in to visit me mm-hmm. in May for, over Memorial Day. Okay. And I want to get that map from you because I'm taking them to the Emerald Triangle. So Great. us, we can follow it and yep. they can do that with me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it. you all three. I'll give you the okay. map. And then I have the uh, California Cannabis History Timeline. So it's essentially a timeline that kind of weaves and it tells all the most significant moments of California history of cannabis. Nice. And it starts with the 1900s. It talks about Louis Armstrong getting busted in 1933, smoking a joint in Culver City. It talks about, you know, the, of course, the epidemic. It talks about the beatniks and how kind of they used cannabis. And I went to City Lights this last week. That was cool. Have you been to City Lights bookstore yet? Where all the no. beatniks hung out? No. That should I be haven't. on the list. That's in okay. North Beach. It's pretty rad. It's like Hal and Allen Ginsberg and that whole crew. Right on. Yeah. So there's a timeline and then there's a pioneer chart. The pioneer chart is a family tree. Pebbles is on it. So is Dennis mm-hmm. and Brownie Mary. Yeah. But it's this hierarchy. It's got Jack Herrera. It's got Tony Serra. Um, it's got Eddie Lepp. It's got Scott Holmquist. It's got all the key pioneers that uh that that really made this movement what it is. You know, there's there's only a few people relevant today that are really on, well, not relevant, but the only recognizable pop culture people that people really would recognize are, are uh, Steve D'Angelo and Swami and Nikki. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the people on there are like these old, it's the old school hardcore activists and their legacy, 
I feel like that's my role in this in this whole puzzle of cannabis in Northern California is to make sure that they are folded into this conversation. And I look at my tourism platform as as the platform where I have enough, well, I have not control over it, but I have the ability to build that out and make sure that every tourist that comes here, that goes to dispensaries, that goes on the cannabis trail, here's at least three to five really important stories of why this is ground zero for the cannabis movement. Yeah. As you were saying all of that, I was thinking to my to my oldest sister who like our family legacy is extremely important to her and mm-hmm. she you know when my parents tell stories or they have pictures right. you know she's the one sitting over there taking notes doing all the genealogy shit and right, right, you know i right. just like take in the story yeah. i'm in the moment yeah. somebody could ask me about it 2 months later and i'm like, like I, I don't, don't know. Know. yeah totally I, I might be related <laughs> to him i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's important to have someone like that. Yep. And our culture absolutely needs it. So yeah. thank you for yeah, doing that service. I love That's it. That's amazing. I couldn't not do it. It's like, yeah, I can't help it. I love it. Well, so now let's paint a picture of, mm-hmm. you know, somebody right now is probably planning out their summer trip. Right. Of course. And if they can do something that is not only going to make the kids happy, you know, mm-hmm. going to Disneyland. Right. Then what can mom and daddy do that could, you know, yeah, it introduce cannabis into their life on vacation? Yeah, absolutely. So right now I'm working with hotels to really build the concierge conversation because mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. So I'm working with the cannabis lounges, some very hand-selected cannabis lounges mm-hmm. in San Francisco, and I'm starting to connect all those dots. For the, I call it the tourist dollar. So that's yeah. really where my specialty is now lying is looking at the – so the population of California is 39 million, something like that. And we have seven times the amount of visitors yearly as the population of California. So Yeah, that doesn't think, surprise me. Yeah. And you I think, travel here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Apparently everyone does. Well, I mean, just like being here every day, you're like, where do all these fucking people come from? Right. And right. why aren't they at jobs? And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're on vacation. Right, 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 totally. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That totally is. Um, so uh, the I'd say the easiest plug and play, if you want to get adventurous and go to, go kind of see the future, I'd say pick a consumption lounge and dispensary. I'd recommend Mo Green's Barbary Coast or Harvest um, mm-hmm. or Urban Farm if you're a little more adventurous and like dabbing and kind of more of a steampunk vibe. Um but I'd say go and, and and kind of take your time, carve out two two and a half hours, and experience that whole that whole world that exists in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. There's about ten cannabis lounges right now, um, and that's something that's being innovated, you know, in San Francisco first and foremost. Yes, and I will say the one thing about Mo Greens that I I like, and mm-hmm. and whenever I've had people ask me what to do on holiday, I have been recommending Mo Greens too because right. they have a happy hour every day. Yeah, right. And so it doesn't matter. You go in and you're going to purchase something and get that the second one for a dollar. Great. So you know it's an economical yep. way to right. you know try something, and you just know right. if you're willing to be experimental that you can get a good value. Right. And like, so that's exactly it. So it's making sure that you can get a good value and you can feel like you're in a safe, regulated place where, you know, all the medicine is clean. And this is the beautiful side about the regulated market is it there's a sense of safety. 
I do feel, I do not feel, I have recognized that there definitely is a gap. A lot of people do not want to venture into a dispensary and consumption lounge without a guide or a friend or an expert with them. Yeah. So if you want that, um, I'm currently working with the hotel in San Francisco called Hotel Zeppelin. And what we're going to do is start doing uh, twice a day pickups that are kind of show up, throw in, we haven't decided on the amount, but like 20, 30 bucks. We take you on a little 15 minute drive to a dispensary, Harvest on Geary. And okay. we do this historical education. Mm-hmm. We're like, welcome. And we start giving you the download of some of the things I talked about today in deeper detail. We also talk about the biology of the plant. We talk about how it interacts with your body. We get basically do the cannabis 101. Right. And then we arrive at the dispensary. You do a little VIP dispensary tour. You go back in the consumption lounge. We watch a little short film on the history of cannabis in San Francisco and Prop 215. We have like a Q&A as a group. And then we go back to the hotel. So it's only a two and a half to three hour experience. That's perfect. You get great information. It's guided. It's safe. It's with people who are cannabis experts. It's in one of the best lounges in the world. A great people, great staff. Um, and we're trying to make it very accessible for people and novices. And we've really crafted it in that way. Yeah. Yep. That's outstanding. We'll have to uh, arrange for a live podcast taping for one yeah. of your your tours. Totally, that would be fun. And if you want to, if you're like a geek and you want to really get into the Castro Castle and this activist, like, so we basically are making that really easy kind of plug in. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do something a little more special and exclusive, we have tours that do the San Francisco like real world house Castro style. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> and we have a Sonoma one. Where you go up to Sonoma and we have, and we, and you can see a plant up close and um, have those experiences. Yeah. Nice. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's a fun space. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so hilarious. We've been talking for almost 23 minutes now and I didn't offer you a drink. We just like dove in. So I'm, I apologize. All good. I apologize for eating pistachios or whatever these are on the oh the pumpkin seeds it's totally fine i my stomach was growling before we started and i was like oh you can the the yeah the microphone picks that up yeah fuck i'm high (laughs) man so how's your world been oh things are a little bit crazy right now Uh this week particularly I have like four studio sessions. I had an event last night. Right. I have a session this evening from six to eight. And so it's just, yeah, it's like content galore. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just trying to manage it all and make sure I get it edited and it makes sense. And I'm doing a service to the community. Totally. That's the hardest part for me. It's not the content generation. I have like stacks. I'm just like, I finally brought help on. Yeah. So I'm like, somebody needs to actually, who knows how to use computers better than I, and social media and all that stuff. I'm like, so we, yeah. I need to leverage this content forward and share right. it, right? So I know I was on a call this morning and I was like, I have to figure out ways to recycle content a bazillion times mm-hmm. because it takes so much effort to create it. And, you know, so mm-hmm. much care goes into what mm-hmm. it's about and how it's put together and how it's edited. And then, you know, for you to just like share it with the world and then it just sits there. It's like, oh, shit. Right. right. So it's like, how can I reuse this? How can I make this useful to other people in other ways? And so, right. you know, it's a it's a tough job and, and you know it, you're doing it. I got to a point where I had to bring on someone to support because it was just, I saw that that was where everything was getting stuck. And it, a lot of it was time too, but it's also, I don't have the skill set. 
Yeah. So it's and there's this whole new world out there. Like Well, and that's exactly how someone feels when they're traveling. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, I want to try this thing, but right. instead of it just being weed, it's an entire store full of a thousand different products with multiple different methods of consumption. Right. And where do I go and how do I do it? And right. so, you know, it's important for us to be able to share this content with them as, in mm -hmm. as many ways as possible. But mm -hmm. if someone did want to um, reach out to you and, yeah. and get all of this stuff, where are you, where's all your content living? So the best like website that's a home for most of my stuff is brianapplegarth.com. I finally built that site because I'm like, I got to have one home base. So and I don't feel B -R -I -A -N. like I'm, I B-R-I-A-N. I am okay. dot com. And when you go there, there's three buckets. There's cannabis travel and tourism. There's films. I'm a very amateur doc documentarian. I don't even feel comfortable saying that. I make films because I love stories and they're not, they're not very professional, but they're great stories. Okay. Um, and then the third one is, what is the third one? It's like, uh. I'm blanking on it. It's like hospitality or speaking engagements or something. I'm trying to make a method of the madness, um, okay. and I'm trying to figure. I'm trying. I'm trying to stay open to opportunity and serve my highest my highest purpose in this industry as it unfolds. You know, a really cool thing that I did last week was I went and saw Rick Steves speak. Rick Steves. Oh, I saw that on your social. I wanted yeah. to ask you about that. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. Well, I'm a fan. Like I've traveled Me the too. world with the dude. Right. He's like always been in my hip pocket. I've torn pages out, done the whole thing. Um, and it was really cool, like hearing his story about how he built this Rick Steves, a hundred employee empire, which is totally not what I want to do, but it was interesting to f see how somebody that sticks to their kind of values of doing due diligence and making people be transformed and getting outside their comfort zone and all these things that are part of who he is and learning how he operates to this day and how he writes his books and updates them and and how he's activated content and videos and formatting and mm -hmm. it was it was just very insightful and he's a big cannabis advocate nice publicly yeah very politically active in that world and supports cannabis use um, outwardly yeah so I got a couple minutes he's a with powerful him. advocate for cannabis yeah. tourism he is I want him on my board for the association oh that was like be my wish really list yeah. cool well yeah, yeah. makes sense Throw that right? out in the universe right I dig it. Or an advisory board member, like something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give you some clout. Yeah. But, you know, people always say about traveling, like, well, I don't know. That's easy for you to do. Like, you know, you can go put yourself in the middle of somewhere doing something you've never done before. That's easy for you to do. Right. And, you know, it's this idea of we have to practice being uncomfortable, and, you know, and yep. I appreciate travel for that. Right. Um, it's done that for me in my life. I mean, I dumped myself in Bologna, Italy, just like, oh, I don't speak the language, but I figure they're as nice as Texans, you right. know, like right. this is all going to work. Right. And, you know, there were times where I was the loneliest I've ever been in my life mm -hmm. or the most turned around or mm -hmm. scared. Right. And, you know, pe people don't want to, they don't want to experience those things, but they want to experience that joy of, mm -hmm. of experiencing something new. And right. those all go together. They do. It's a package deal. Yeah. Totally. And the secret sauces you get, or I did at least, you get addicted to it in a way. Like I, I talk about this and, you know, 
kind of like who we are in this moment is a sum of our experiences, thoughts, everything you've smelled, tasted, heard, a look you've shared with somebody. Like all these things are formative into who you are currently. And the more that you travel and put yourself outside your comfort zone and adapt and learn, it really brings out the, it magnifies the beauty of difference and you start be, you start craving it. And like, I remember when I came back to the States after extensive years of travel, that adjustment of being back into a place that's very normal and I can navigate extremely easily because I speak the language, I can read signs, I can read body language, I know what this looks and feels like, um, becomes something that's not fulfilling as a life journey. And that's like something that I talked to my parents this week and I went and visited them in Sacramento and I said, it's that it's a double-edged sword. And it's something that I would never trade for the world. But if after you see so many places and experience all these cultures, it's something that you constantly crave to learn and understand and the next experience that makes you feel alive. And it's this sense that you always kind of chase after. But um, don't you find though that when you are in those places where you have complete mastery over the environment and mm -hmm. everything, how confident you feel navigating it? I, that's a component of it. But I think, I don't know if confident navigating it. I mean, I feel like I, I uh, maybe for me, it's just not, yeah, I guess, I, I don't know if it's confidence the right word. I think that I feel um, there is a sense there that it lasts for a while. It really does. Like when it lasts for a while, but then it for me it fades off quickly to where I want to explore and have a new, a new experience that makes me feel and I it's like this word alive or feel connected in a different way. I guess what I'm saying is that by coming back to what you know, right, it gives me more confidence to then do lots of other things that I've never done before. Or oh, totally. you know, yes. and it and yeah. it doesn't I, I don't have to just get that juice from right. traveling anymore. Right. Then I can get it by stepping into a room of CEOs and, right. you know, being casually baked and owning a room. Yeah, totally. Like that can be just as cool you're as totally fucking right. climbing the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, you're totally right. You're totally <laughs> right. And it's staying on that threshold of pushing that yeah. and living that kind of mm -hmm. life where you're open to exploring. Well, and I've had to do that because the last five years being in California, focusing on building a business, there isn't time to do a lot of other travel. Right. And so it's right. like, I have to get my rocks off some other way. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. Can I take a hit of something? Yeah, totally. I have, <laughs> if you want what I'm on, then here's the, another joy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, powerful little thing. It's from the uh, Brotherly Love. Oh, cool. I yeah. heard those guys are rad out of Santa Cruz. Yeah. Well, no, no, is no, there, no. Is, no. Is it just flour? Trinity. Is there any sh shatter oil no, or secret no, no, sauce? No. Okay, good. No, Brotherly Love, they're out of Trinity County. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. And oh, I'm so, thinking of three bros or three, okay, Brotherly Love, got it. And so, um, in fact, it's funny because they've been, uh, they want to be on the show. And I was like, well, tell me your story. Pitch pitch me. Right. I'm right. like, I'm busy. Pitch yeah. me. They're yeah. like, well, can we get on a call? And I'm like, no, if you want this, I need you to write me a letter. Oh, and they did. It was nice. good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. That's great. So, yeah, it'll be fun to tell their story. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, yeah, I saw you had Johnny on Huckleberry Hill. Yeah, he left me with a lot of good weed. Dude, that guy's got amazing stories. I work with I'm working with him to try to get the first cannabis prohibition farm landmark registration. And well, he's perfect and is an amazing spokesperson for it. And is deserving, man. Oh yeah. yeah. 
I mean, look at this. Smell this. It's, it's good. Yeah. He's got that signature. He's got those genetics too, right? His mom. Like he's yes. got that family genetics. Second generation. Mm, that does smell good. That stuff though, it makes me eat like a pig. Good. Yeah. I had to, I have to just have Munchies. that right before an actually timed meal. So let's talk about that. Okay. So that is one of the, my primary points when I speak is how cannabis is going to exist in more of that leisure kind of mm-hmm. platform and tourism. Uh-huh. Um, and people always ask about beer and wine, right? Especially in yeah. this court, you know, up here it's wine country essentially. Mm-hmm. So, and I use that to be in that hunger that you were talking about. It's like the concept of an effect pairing, which now I have yeah. seven different buckets. And this is like, everyone has their own version of this. Mine from the tourism platform is there's nine different categories and there's different strains that pair well. So it's an effect pairing for different kinds of activities. And one of those is a five-star Michelin meal. And you select yes. a strain that stimulates your appetite and sharpens your palate. And that could even be going into a wine tasting. So it's kind of these tools that you use to magnify experiences, be it sex, be it focus, be it something creative, be it a, be it going into a meal or a tasting. You want that strain that's going to be that apertivo that puts you right in the perfect place and boosts the senses, the sensory oh, elements. Oh, yeah, because there's nothing worse than having a beautiful meal and you've smoked something that makes you not hungry. Yeah, totally. Which oh, is a total thing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It How has nobody rolled out diet pre-rolls? Like there's oh, you probably will get arrested for having the word diet in there or well, something. Well, of course you would. But um <laughs> but you know, I have seen people that are talking about THCV more. Yep. But they're not talking about, you know, a lot of these people are just those little smokes models. Right. Uh, right as I'll right. call them. Right. Um, and they're saying THCV is a proper like, that curbs appetite. Yeah, well, and it, and that yeah. cannabinoid does curb right. the appetite, but it is found in such trace amounts. Yeah. That, but the way they talk about it is like, you need to take THCV, girl. You know, one know, of yeah, those totally. kinds of things. And I'm like, you're like, go into depth on that, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't even afford to purchase the sublingual tablet. Right. That you would need for it right. to really be used as a diet right. supplement. Right. That's what I'm worried. I see a lot of that these days. He's carving up. I'm seeing the carving up of the plant more than I ever have felt it. I hear more conversations about just chopping apart nature. It drives me crazy. I hope that we're there's able to we're able to fight off as cannabis people that love the plant to keep that kind of whole plant uh, well, narrative out there. And and that is that's exactly what needs to happen is you keep the narrative out there because it still has to be allowed to change and transform because yeah. there is the other segment of the population right. that really trusts Western medicine and what pharmaceuticals look True. like, and they need their cannabis to look like they do. their Adderall. And at the end of the day, it's all about tries. Like cannabis impacts everything in a positive way. More people using it, the better. They just need the education and to pick their method of ingestion and all that. Right. And so if you can add a, a pill into your, you know, Monday through Friday, Right. Pill popper. Right. And and that's an easy way for caregivers to give it to people, then I'm all for that. But, you know, I will always be someone who preaches the gospel of craft cannabis and Mm -hmm. flour and, you know. Yeah. Who grows it? How is it grown? That's that's interesting to me is like the argument of, what was it? I read a quote online that was the most important things in a garden are footprints. 
or something like that. But it was pointing to the idea that something hand-watered and something where there's an energy transfer from the person growing it is different than a machine. It just has to be because it is. Yeah. So what's the impact of that? These commercial commodity grows versus the sun-grown farmer hand-watering a small batch plant. Those are two very different environments. There's got to be an impact. Even if us humans can't like register it on a molecular level with tests, they're different. Yeah. They grow different. They well, have different yeah. you know, experiences of how they grow. They're living things. And someone who is awake understands what you just said. Right. And there's plenty of other people that are still marching right. around in the right. matrix. Right. And right. so and they are the ones that are going to get their cannabis cigarettes out of a vending machine at Walmart. Right. And that we just have right. to know that all of these people right. can copacetically exist in the oh, world. Oh, absolutely. Totally. And 100%. That, yeah. yeah. So, you know, What I, do you think about CVS with the announcement that they about all the going to all the stores or well, something or 800? You know, I I tagged that article yesterday to read, but yeah. you know, for me, I'm just ready to roll out mine and Mon's muscle rub. Yeah. And it'll be yeah. You got I, a brand? It's I mean, it's been done for two years. We've That's just great. been batch selling it. Yeah. But my stuff has been having to come first. Her other clients, you right. know, we have to right. get paid first. Of course. And so it's finally gotten to the point where we're like, we've got to cross the finish line. Like right. we have an amazing product. Good timing. I agree yeah. with you. The timing's now. Absolutely. So um, so yeah, we're finishing that up and right. you know, as far as I'm concerned, it should be in right. every spa and so it's and, a muscle rub? It's like a mm-hmm. pain relief, deep, deep down pain. M- yeah, something. muscle and joint relief. Okay. And you know, we've had people using it for two years giving us feedback and right. our massage therapist, who we call Dr. Dre, has been using it to give us massages. She's the one that helped us get the glide just right. And oh nice. And so yeah, it's great. So you can use it as a massage? application mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Cool. Like somebody could pay an extra $20 and have a CBD infused massage. What's it called? MJ Skin is what we're kind of calling skin. the line, but it's okay. um, MJ Muscle Rub, yeah, for MJ muscle, muscle and joint rub. relief. Right on. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I was fun. in a conversation this last couple months about a deep pain relief kind of mm-hmm. thing. I love the topicals. They're so effective and they're such good entry-level yeah. products for people. You well, know, to give you a shot. Just have it with you all the time. It, I mean, for me, right. it's like the chronic neck and shoulder and the carpal tunnel-y thing from typing and editing all the time. I right. just, I have muscle rub with me all the time. Do you ever get digital overload these days? I've been feeling that the past month of being like, I got to put the phone, the computer, just too much. Oh. Do you ever feel that? Well, I feel it all my life, but it's what I do for a living. And so right. I just have to say, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, you chose smoke this another life. joint, strap <laughs> in. Yeah, totally. <laughs> chose this life. <laughs> so good. But whatever. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up, but I first have to make fun of your shirt. Oh, yeah. My like, seriously, piece. you yeah. walk in here advertising beer, and I wasn't even going to say the brand. It's my only clean shirt, I think. That's what I'm going to stick to. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll but wear a pot I'm, shirt next well, time. Well, <laughs> yes. I'm at, I'm advertising cannabis over here. Good. Yep. The you, can of curious. Yeah. <laughs> but no, thank you so much for hanging out. And yeah. I love what you're doing. Thank and you. I'm excited to take Likewise. my sister and Dion on on the cannabis trail. Yeah, let's do it. And thank you for spreading the good word. Like yeah. your content's amazing and you're building something beautiful. So thank you. Awesome. Well, you can find all of this and all the links to 
what Brian's doing yeah. at casuallybaked.com right on. in the podcast show Thank notes. You. And I am at Casually Baked on social, and you are at the Ganja Traveler. That's one of my things too. Yeah, so I'm gonna be I'm writing that book. It's gonna be the cannabis travel book. All right. Yeah. So well, might so be if summer. you want to follow that, follow at the Ganja Traveler. Totally. totally. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out, Brian. Thank you, Joe. See ya. It's always fun hanging out with another pot nerd. Thanks to Brian for his inspired action to preserve the history of the cannabis movement and the compassionate activists and creative culture that started it all right here in California. When you're ready to explore the Bay Area, I hope we've inspired you to infuse cannabis into your West Coast getaway. Whether you're looking for a self-guided tour, a personalized all-day adventure, or simply a couple of hours out of your day for a guided dispensary shopping experience. I've gathered a host of options that Brian shared with us today, and we'll include a summary with links in the podcast 81 show notes at casuallybaked.com. I hope you'll share this episode of the podcast with your favorite travel companion. This spring, I've got trips and podcast tapings planned in Calgary and Vancouver to talk with the locals and explore the developing cannabis culture in Canada. I'll also be in Portland in May to experience the Oregon craft cannabis scene. As always, I'll report back on future episodes. In the meantime, if you've got suggestions for places for me to explore, things to do, and people to meet, message me. If you're a social butterfly, I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Or you can always email me through the website at casuallybaked.com. Be sure to find and follow Brian's progress as he test drives his own cannabis experiences. He's on Instagram at the Ganja Traveler or online at brianapplegarth.com. That's B R I A N Applegarth.com. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. La Osa is in the house capturing and editing the video version of the podcast available on YouTube and channel 203 on Cannabis Club TV. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're finding your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. That's it for this week. Happy trails to you, my friend. And until we meet again, puff, puff, pass it on. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.